we're supposed to be in him and we're supposed to be maturing into him, then what that looks like in a very practical sense is that we will be obeying the Father in more areas of our life today than we were yesterday. And he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Today on General Order 4, we're going to be discussing discipleship as it is defined in Scripture. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of General Order 4. My name is Simeon Brazel and I am a missionary to Australia and I am joined as always by Pastor Brian Stewart. Hello. Pastor Stewart, if you could say hi. Hello. Alrighty, and we are going to be discussing the idea of uh, discipleship as it is defined in Scripture. And uh, so we're going to be going to a couple of different passages of Scripture here today. If you have the ability to take out your Bible and follow along with us, I think that would help you out a lot. Uh, if not, and you're like me and you listen to most of your podcasts in the car, that's fine. We'll try to read the Scriptures out loud to you. Just pay attention so you can understand. We know that the, the teaching comes from God's Word. It doesn't come from us or any other preacher or pastor. It comes from God's Word, and so that's what we're going to try to always make God, we take you to God's Word. Um, I want to read one passage of Scripture to you, and uh, this is something that the Word really just showed me in the last couple of days. Uh, and the, Jesus is speaking, he's speaking specifically to his disciples, and in verse in Luke uh, chapter number 6, in verses 39 through 40, it says, And he spake a parable unto them, Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Now as a Christian, uh, I got saved just as a young boy, and I became a disciple of Christ at that point. Whether I liked it or not, Christ had called me to be his disciple. In another place in Scripture, it says that that Christ had called us to be with him. And so when we got saved, we became a disciple of Jesus Christ, and it was our job then to become as much like the master as we could. And this passage in Luke is telling us that the disciple is not above his master. We know we're not above the Lord. Sometimes we might act like we're above the Lord, but we know we're not above the Lord. The disciple's not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. So, Pastor Stewart, what are we saying the definition of discipleship is? What are we trying to do when we disciple a believer? Well, the ultimate goal is what Christ states and what Paul reiterates in many of his passages throughout Scripture, where the goal is to see that uh, that believer perfected and that word that the scripture uses there for perfection or perfect means mature uh it means grown up um if you look at colossians chapter one uh paul is under the inspiration of the here he is really giving his description of his ministry to the church and he's describing for us what god has called him to do in verses uh, 1 through tw- uh, 25, uh, chapter 1, verses 25 through 29, we see that he says, Hey, I was made a minister in verse 25. And it was according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you. In other words, ministry or being a minister is really a disciple or is there, you're there for that other person. Yeah, and if we could even throw the brakes right there, and we'll continue here, but if we could throw the brakes right there, he says, According to dispensation of God, which is given to me, for you. In other words, Paul understood that what he had received was given to him, not for him. And yeah, it was a benefit Absolutely. to him. 
but it was given to him for them. And I thought that, that's interesting. I didn't Correct. see that before either. Go ahead and continue. Yes. And notice the next phrase is to fulfill the word of God. It is all centered around the word of God that we can't. It's not about me being there for somebody else and giving them my thoughts or my philosophies or my opinions, but it's me really giving them the Word of God, just like Paul is saying, hey, I'm, I, this is what God gave me for you, and it, it's in relationship to the Word of God. And then he talks about the mystery that's been hid from the ages and from the generations is now manifest, and that's something we can maybe go into in another time frame, but this mystery is not a mystery that can't be revealed, it's just a mystery that needs to be discovered. And he has discovered it to us as the saints. And that mystery is what he really reveals to us in the next couple of verses there in verse 27 and 28, where he says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And so among the Gentiles, among those that uh, at, uh, in the Old Testament time really did not have too much of a witness of Christ, now he's making this witness extremely known to us as Gentiles. And that th that whole thing is what which is Christ in you, that is our hope of glory, is that Christ in us. When I think of that word glory there, I think of the fact that in Romans he tells us that we have all sinned and we've fallen short of that glory. It's kind of just speaking of the fact that we've been created with a purpose, and that purpose is to fellowship with the, the with our Creator and to reflect his image and his likeness. And he's saying, hey, Christ wants to be revealed in you, and that is your hope of glory. And then in verse 28, he continues on and he says, hey, that's why we preach. That's why we're going to warn every man by giving them the gospel. That's why we're going to teach every man in all wisdom. Obviously, uh, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So obviously, his words would be the source of right. wisdom so that we would present every man, and notice here he's using this word again, perfect, in Christ Jesus. So it's us in Christ, like you pointed out in Luke, and that perfect man and is being what? With Christ and in Christ. I mean, you could spend a week, and, I, and many many pastors probably have spent a couple of months just preaching through this first chapter of Colossians. Um, really this last part here, Absolutely. he talks about how, uh, it talks about the my the mystery among the Gentiles. And then it, Paul doesn't leave us with what is this mystery. He immediately afterwards says, which is Christ and in you, Amen. the hope of glory. In other words, there's something mysterious about a person who follows Christ. Um, and and that, that I think in discipleship, we, we see people saved, I think, and that's good, and we get the gospel to people, and obviously that's what he's talking about, whom we preach, warning every man. You, we got to get the gospel to people. There is no mystery without the gospel, right? Um, so we got to get the gospel to people. Um, but when we don't disciple people, they don't have the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. I mean, they have Christ in them, but their life hasn't really changed much because nobody's taken them further in the scriptures, right? Um, so Certainly. elaborate with me, if you could, there in verse 28 is really what we're saying is kind of the description of what discipleship is, because Paul is saying, this is what we have done in you, and this is what we're doing. Read again for me uh, verse number 28 and describe for me that, that definition of discipleship. So he says, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And we see here that 
Paul is dealing with really the first and the last aspect of Matthew's account and Matthew 28 of the Great Commission. And he speaks to the fact that we're to warn every man with the gospel, but that teaching every man in all wisdom, again, is really reminiscent of what Jesus said, that we're to teach uh, them to observe to do whatsoever I have commanded you, and we're to teach them all that we're to do. And so this whole concept in in the book of Colossians, really throughout the whole New Testament, is teaching us about what it is to be in Christ. And if we don't understand our position in Christ, we don't understand our behavior in Christ, we don't understand who we are in Christ, and, our, and all of those things, then we're not going to behave in Christ. And in a sense, what we end up doing is we end up taking his name as a part mm -hmm. of us, and we take the name of Christ, but then we don't live up to the standard of Christ as a model, as the model of maturity. And what we end up doing is we take his name. Yeah, and, and that's terrifying, really, and, that we call ourselves a Christian or a little Christ is what that word means. And certainly. And we don't live up to the expectation that we're supposed to be like Christ, you know, and we call ourselves Christians. And I think part of that, too, is we've gotten everybody uses the word Christian. Catholics use the word Christian. Anglicans, Greek Orthodox people use the word Christian. Um, you know, Mormons use the word Christian. Um, and so we've we've gotten to the point where that word doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but it should because it's Certainly. his name. Well, there's a diversity of thought on what a Christian is. And you could probably ask 100 people what is a Christian, and you might get 120 different responses uh, as to what that definition is. Uh, the, but really, the word originated by calling people, and it was a derogatory term when it was originally used, mm -hmm. uh, and it was speaking of these people are acting like little right, Christ. Antioch, right. And it, in Antioch, correct. And so really to define what Christian is, uh, obviously an object cannot be Christian or non-Christian, a, uh, but a person can either be Christ-like or that person may not be Christ-like. And the whole goal of, of ministry or i.e. discipleship, and in, from the way I see it, is those are interchangeable words, ministry and discipleship, because ministry and discipleship is to do what? Paul is clearly saying here, hey, I want to be able to present you to Christ mature mm -hmm. in him, not in me, not in some uh, doctrine or, or some denominational uh, way of doing things, but I want you to present. And so what we've got to get back to is to strip away all of the denominational titles. We've got to strip away all of the uh, preconceived ideas of what a Christian is. And we need to look at what does God's word say. Mm -hmm. And when his word says something, we need to count that to be true. We're always going to give uh, his word preeminence in our life. And when we do that and we let his word define not what would Christ do, but what did Christ right. do? And then that's my model for how I'm going to live life. So ministry and discipleship is really you and I re, re, uh, taking on that responsibility that God has given us to not be blind ourselves and not try and lead other blind right. people. We need to be seeing as God sees and understanding his word and then helping those that don't see it as clearly as he's allowed us to see it 
to bring them alongside us and say, hey, I just want to share with you what God has shared with me so you can be understanding and knowing, uh, like he talks about um, in, in the, uh, where was that? Uh, in verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory. He wants to make that known right. to you. He wants to make that known to me. And he wants to make it known to everybody that uh, is willing to believe on his son as their savior. Yeah, and then I grew up in the in the 90s and in the early 2000s. And that phrase, what would Jesus do, was something that was like printed everywhere and popularized really Certainly. by the contemporary Christian movement. But um, that phrase, what would Jesus do? It's not, it's not a bad phrase. It's, it's probably a good thing to think about on occasion, uh, but it really doesn't get Certainly. to the heart of the matter because what would Jesus do? We can find out what he would do based on what he has done because he's the same God Correct. yesterday, today, and forever. And so we don't have to really ask what would he do? We just need to go back and look and see what he did do. Um, and I know what they're trying to get at. I'm not, I'm not dogging the phrase, but um, the truth Certainly. the truth of God's word is, is it is eternal. And in fact, Peter said that we had a more sure word of prophecy than actually being in the presence of Jesus Christ himself, which is quite an amazing statement. Um, but what, is. like you said, we've got to get to the scriptures and see what these things are. And the reason why it's important that we define discipleship is that there is a, a great deal of confusion uh, at, in churches, on the parts of pastors and preachers, on the parts of evangelists, on really on everybody's part, um, about what discipleship actually is. Uh, growing up, discipleship in different churches that I was in, one church I was in, they had a discipleship class or a new believers class. And that class is the job of that Sunday school teacher was essentially to teach the core truths um, that every Christian should know in that class. That's not a bad thing. I'm glad somebody was teaching that class. That's a good thing. And really Certainly. we all need reminders of those things from time to time. Um, but that's not discipleship. Not, not the way Christ did it anyway. You know, he wasn't teaching a Sunday school class. He was spending time every single day, day in and out, uh, with these 12 men, especially these 12 men and others, but especially these 12 men, and really in particular three men, Peter, James, and John, that he spent extra time mm -hmm. with and really invested himself in. And then when Christ ascends into heaven, who makes the difference in the world? Those 12 men. You know, and you can make the argument, of course, that Paul did as well. Uh, but did Paul spend time with Christ? Certainly. I think there's a really good argument in Scripture that Paul spent a lot of time with Christ mm -hmm. as well. Um, he did indeed, but and he is an apostle, so he saw the risen Christ as well. So there's there's a lot there's a lot there that we could go into that we don't really have time to do. Um, but we we have to get back to defining things the way that Scripture defines it. So we've kind of boiled down this passage of Scripture to 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 this definition that discipleship is ministering with the goal that every person matures to Christ likeness. And that's really coming mostly from Colossians one uh, twenty eight. But really, if you look up in verse number 25, he says, whereof I am made a minister. So that word minister, he's not necessarily talking about pastoring there, is he? He's not the pastor of the Colossian nope. church at this point. He's saying I'm nope. a minister and his job as a minister was warning every man, giving the gospel and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So Paul was saying, I am taking personal responsibility to not just witness to people, but to take those people that I lead to Christ and lead them until I can present them perfect. And now talk about a high standard, perfect Certainly. in Christ Jesus. 
And he, he adds that in Christ Jesus, so everybody knows he's not talking about perfection on an earthly standpoint, but that those people are not being brought to the level of Paul. They're being brought to the level of Christ. Um, and that kind of feeds back into what we talked about in Luke, how the disciples not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Who's the master? Is it Christ or is it the man doing the discipling? It's certainly going to be Christ, uh, because uh, if we have any other standard, we're going to have uh, fallibility, and uh, we're going to have uh, a standard that is not going to be able to stand the test of time. There's only one who has been said by God the Father that this is my beloved Son in whom I am Mm -hmm. well pleased. Uh, It is His righteousness and His righteousness alone that uh, gives us standing with the Father in heaven. And so uh, this ministry, uh, another way to look at ministry and helping to define uh, what discipleship is, is really you and I uh, giving life, uh, giving the life that God has given us from His Word and us just sharing that life with another person. Uh, and it's going to be in an uh, individual thing. And if you think of, you look at the life of Christ, what did he do? He shared his life to the point where he lived with these men. He, I mean, I mean, he took it to a whole new level. I don't believe he's recalling us to actually live in the same house or <laughs> to right. walk around and live uh, in tents or uh, camping out in different places all the time. But he certainly gave his life uh, not just on the cross, but the three and a half years of ministry, he, he let them see that transparency of life, how he was going to obey the Father and everything. And then Paul, when he would go to an area, he would give of himself and his time and his efforts and his resources to, to share with those people the Word of God so that they could have the same life in Christ that he had. And so he was modeling what he saw his master doing, his savior doing. And then he has, it's been recorded for us to do the same as well. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought up Paul because I wanted to talk about second uh, Timothy and second Timothy chapter two, verse two, um, the apostle Paul is writing specifically to the one that he actually says of him that he is his son in the ministry. And in other words, these two men have a very deep relationship. They're not just two guys. He, he's not just some guy that he led to Christ and then told him to sit in church. Um, he brought him along and he took him with him wherever he went. He talked to him. He taught him. He instructed him. I think there's a lot to be learned just from the relationship between Paul and Timothy. But Paul writes to Timothy in Second Timothy 2, 2, he says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same, or in other words, those same things that I've taught you, commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. In other words, there's a chain of events taking place here. You've got the Apostle Paul, who says to Timothy, who says to faithful men, who say, who say to others also, who say to others also, and so on and so on and so on it goes, that every man is taking the things that he has been taught, the things that he's been instructed, and he's investing those things in the lives of somebody else uh, and, and taking intentional time. And I think it's interesting that he follows up with thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And we call this podcast general order Four. it comes from, it comes from the, the, uh, uh, United States Marines general order Four, in which we are to repeat the orders of a superior officer to the next person. And that's exactly what this is. Paul saying, look, discipleship is not, it's not a class. It's not a curriculum. It is an investment of life. 
from one person into another person. And Paul's saying, I've invested my life in you, Timothy. And now I want you to do the same and commit it into faithful men and then teach those faithful men to teach other people in a chain of events. And I know just growing up, I've been in three churches. I've had three pastors, all of which are great men, great, great men. And all of which have really taught this, um, that, that we ought to be instructing the things that we know into other people. Um, but I cannot say that I have personally had this experience. I had good men who invested themselves in me. I did have that. Um, but I didn't have an investment of life quite like we're talking about between Paul and Timothy here. And you could stop and you could say, well, look, he's talking about pastors. A preacher is, is uh, investing himself in another preacher. And that's true. But he doesn't stop there. He says, teach it to faithful men. Those are just ordinary guys, right? I mean, Stephen's a deacon. He's not a pastor, but he preaches yeah. one of the best messages you can find in scripture. Uh, why? Because he knows the word. And there's something to be said for someone who really knows the word of God. If, if, if someone really knows the word of God, then they have something to say and they have something to invest in other people. Um, and in, in, in back in, in Luke chapter six, nine, or 39 through 40, it talks about how, uh, how about how the teacher is not above his master. But before that, he talks about the blind leading the blind. Um, what, what is he talking about pastor? When he says that the, the blind cannot lead the blind, what's he talking about? I believe he's uh, really just kind of giving us a vivid illustration here of the fact that if if somebody can't see, they don't know where what's what's around them. They don't know where they're going, um, and they're trying to walk down a road. He uses the illustration of of walking down a road, and then obviously the the blind if if they're leading another blind person, the ending up in the ditch is going to be a, a, a real. Uh, reality and it's going to happen fairly quick because they don't know where the ditch is they're not able to see they're not able to know those kind of things i think the spiritual application would be you know if i don't know where i'm going if i don't if i haven't understood and under and know who i am in christ and i don't know uh what my position in christ is and i don't know uh how to live in christ and to and and all of those things that he is going through and teaching us throughout the new testament and then illustrating for us and and he's given us the old testament for our learning to apply those uh, to see the application of those in real physical situations uh what we end up with is we don't know those things. How in the world can I lead somebody if I'm in the same condition they are in? And, it, and the whole thing about discipleship is I need to learn and grow in my walk with the Lord. I need to learn and grow in my uh, relationship and understanding who I am in Christ. And as I do that, then I am to take what Christ has taught me and then help come alongside those that don't know that haven't learned the gospel, have not uh, been baptized, have not been taught the things of the Word of God, and I need to simply help them to get to the point where they understand and see those things as well, and God allows them to understand that. So when I share with them the Word of God, I'm not actually the teacher. The Holy Spirit of God is the teacher, and He and I'm, all I'm doing is sharing what He has taught me with them so he can teach it to them as well and pointing it out to them and giving them direction. Right. And this, this idea again of the blind leading the blind, it's, it's not talking about 
um, unsaved people here because he immediately says the disciple is not above his master and he's only speaking to his disciples here. So he's not talking about lost people. Often we, we, we use that term blind to mean lost people. And that's because Christ does in a different place. Certainly. Um, but here he's not talking about that. He's talking about someone who just doesn't see. In other words, someone who just, he doesn't have the information and you can't teach somebody something that you don't know. Right. Correct. Um, and that's, I think that's one of the reasons why the Holy spirit worded, uh, the great commission in Matthew chapter 28, the way that he did is he said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. In other words, you know, I, if I don't know to teach something, I can't teach it to somebody else. Does that mean that I'm off the hook? I should just not read my Bible. Obviously not. No. Um, obviously that we, we really need to make sure that we know what we believe, why we believe it, and be able to defend our position, but not just to defend ourselves, uh, but to be able to teach other people. But I can only lead someone as far as God has brought me, right? Amen. And you and, have, you and I have had a conversation before, and I brought up the idea of, of building a building or building a, a construction of some kind. Let's say that we're building a tower. And I have built the first floor. I'm not going to make you start building on the first floor. Cause I've already built the first floor. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm, if my shift is over and your shift is about to start, you're not going to start building on the first floor. Cause I've already built the first floor. You're going to start building on the second floor. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I've brought you to the second floor. I've brought yeah. you that far. And sometimes I feel like, especially in, I know in American church culture, it's this way. It probably is in other places in the world as well. Uh, but so, so often we feel like we start from scratch every time uh, a leader in the church goes somewhere or passes away or whatever the case may be, uh, whether it's the pastor or a, a youth minister or whatever the case may be, we've got somebody who's gone now and we feel like we have to start from scratch. Why is that? It's because no one's actually brought them to the second level. They've not brought somebody else to the second level uh, and they've not replaced themselves, in other words. Yeah. And in, in, we shouldn't be the blind leading the blind. I should be able to be seeing so I can take somebody to where I am and then allow God to say, hey, the disciple's not above the master. I'm not the master. The Lord's the master. Absolutely. Everyone that's perfect shall be as his master. And so as a discipler, discipleship defined, we said, is ministering with the goal that every person matures to Christ-likeness. I can only bring them to the Christ-likeness that I am currently possessing. That's as far as I can take them. God can take them further than that, but I ought to at least let them start on the second. Does that make sense? Yeah, certainly. Um, and it kind of brings up the idea of, of one of the things that I've learned that are, is really necessary in ministry is that we have a measurable uh, way of, of identifying where somebody is in their walk with the Lord. Um, we can l- use a lot of external things, but God tells us that we have to look at the external, uh, but he looks on the heart. Right. But he also gives us in scripture, he gives us some tools to, if we will mine them out and, and look at them and really identify them, uh, to be able to identify where somebody's heart is. In fact, Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so if we take that principle and that teaching that Jesus gives us, well then from what somebody says should be able to help me to identify, to use the construction illustration, if they have the first floor built already, if they have the foundation laid, uh, maybe the first floor is partially built or maybe it's not, maybe it's, maybe they're already the second floor. As a 
somebody who's going to disciple others, as I mature, the more mature I am in Christ, it gives he gives me the tools and the ability to be able to identify where this person that I'm meeting, whether it's a person for the first time, whether it's a person, if I'm a Sunday school teacher in my Sunday school class, or if I'm a pastor and, and somebody that I have the responsibility of pastoring, or if it's somebody, if I'm a husband in a, in a home uh, and a father in a home, uh, somebody in my own home to make sure that they are growing and maturing. Whatever the case is, we can have some, by the way they speak, and then taking the principles and teachings of Scripture, be able to have a measurable way of identifying where is this person in their walk with the Lord. Now, again, can we pinpoint it to the absolute, you know, uh, down to a certain pinpoint? Maybe not. But we can get a good general idea of where this person is with the goal of what? Not to, not to pound our chest and say, hey, I'm better than them, but so that I can identify this and say, hey, I, I want to help this person get to where God wants them to be. And if we go go again, go back to Scripture, in Colossians here, Paul is very clearly uh, under the direction of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I want to present you perfect in Christ Jesus. So again, mm-hmm. the standard is always Jesus Christ. It's not you and I. Uh, you know, obviously, we can't be lifted up as, as, you know, this is what it should look like. But we should, like Paul, be able to say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ and follow mm-hmm. my lead. And and if as long as I'm following Christ, man, I want you to stay with me. I want you to and, and, and even maybe go ahead of me if that is what God has for you. I, I don't have a problem with somebody that God gives me the responsibility of discipling and ministering to and maturing uh, through his word that they could go further than he's going to take me. That would be a wonderful thing because mm-hmm. I had a small part in that as well. And perhaps that's where as as ministers, you know, both of us are, I'm not a pastor, but I'm a preacher and you're a preacher as well and a pastor. Um, and I think all of us, at some point we feel like we have it's pride is what it is we feel like we have to be the smartest guy in the room mm-hmm. and the fact of the matter is we just don't we just don't and, and and the bible actually says that the wise person is the person who keeps his mouth shut most of the time you know you can find that all throughout proverbs yep. and um uh, the, the wisest man who ever lived said keep your mouth shut <laughs> <laughs> so you know it, it, it is important and we feel like we have to be the smartest guy in the room and we ought to be well studied and we ought to know the scripture as as pastors and preachers we ought to um, but the goal is always it always has to be the perfection of Jesus Christ as long as we're alive we're not perfect because we still have that old man in us until we meet Jesus and we have our new body and our new heart we're 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 always going to have that old man struggling against yes. us and we have the new man we have the benefit of having the holy spirit and having the new man and being able to slowly become conformed to the image of Christ and at some point we will be fully conformed to the image of Christ Amen. i'm looking forward to that Amen. but until we are fully conformed to the image of Christ then there is more growing to do and if we can kind of get past ourselves and be willing to teach other people, how much of a blessing would it be, Pastor, if in your church you had four or five people who were more versed in the scriptures than you? Oh, man, it'd be a safety valve uh, because, uh, you know, uh, pastoring a church is, is a calling. 
it's it's not it, it ought to include equipping equipping as well i ought to be equipped to do that but it doesn't say that i have to be the resident expert on everything and so if i'm preaching and i have people who are just as studied in the word of god or even more so uh, and they're praying for me, and they're there to uh, lift me up and encourage me as their pastor. Boy, what a blessing that would be to be able to know that if I preached and I, and I maybe gave an illustration, it might lead down the wrong path, that they could come to me afterwards and say something to me and say, hey, pastor, I uh, just wanted you to realize that if you, if you take that illustration to its fullest extent, uh, you could end up in doctrinal, uh, you know, falsehood or, or heresy or something like that. Uh, what, a, what a way to have a warning that I could come back and, and what a benefit to the body of Christ that would be as well. Not that I intended to do anything wrong uh, or intended to give a false illustration or a false truth, but uh, the very fact that I had another brother or sister in Christ that would be able to just be a safety valve as well and say, hey, we need to consider what we're doing. And uh, somebody else who has that kind of walk with the Lord as well, uh, man, it's, it's nice to have company. Uh, they say misery loves company, but, you know, righteousness loves company as well. And, mm-hmm. and, and spiritual maturity, it's nice to have some more other people around you, not having to be the only one uh, that people can come to with questions and, and be able to look for advice. And, and that's why it's a blessing to have other pastors and preachers as friends. Certainly. You know, uh, as ministers of Christ, we have, and there is a certain loneliness to pastoring. There shouldn't be, Certainly. but there is. Yeah. Um, and and so that, I think that's why pastors and preachers tend to gravitate towards other pastors and preachers because we all have kind of the same experience. But the truth of the matter is if we brought other believers in our churches to the point that we are, that loneliness would largely dissipate because now everyone in the room understands the responsibilities involved with being the pastor. Everyone in the room understands the responsibilities involved with being a deacon. Everyone mm-hmm. in the room understands the responsibility. And, and, and we'd solve a lot of problems in and of itself if we had deacons who were actually deacons. And we can talk about that later. But, <laughs> um, but it, you know, if everybody had in the body of Christ, which is what we are, if everyone understood their place and their purpose and their function, we can talk about, we're going to talk about functions at some point. Um, but if everybody understood the functions that we all had within the body of Christ, then that unity would be there. And uh, there wouldn't be the loneliness that there is often as the pastor of the church because you are spending time. And here we are back with spending time mm-hmm. with individuals in your church and bringing them along and, and until, until they are adults, until they are grown in Christ. Um, I do want to talk with you at some point on this podcast, uh, brother, about uh, the growth, the stages of growth in a Christian. And we can talk about that at some point, too. That'll have to be a whole episode in and of itself. Um, but we do want to talk about the stages of growth as well. And it'd be good. It'd be good for people, I think, to hear that about how it is measurable. You know, we can't yes. like you said, we can't see the heart. Um, but how do you know your wife? You know, we're both married. How do you know her heart? Well, you know her heart by observing her actions. You know her heart by hearing her speak to you. And, you know, there are spouses who have become professional liars. Uh, <laughs> but for the most part, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to know the heart of your spouse because you're with them, because you're spending time with them, because you're talking to them. And it's the same way with people. It's, it's that relationship and communication. 
And so that's what we need to be able to do to minister to people is have a relationship with them and, and have the communication with them and to listen to what they're saying and, and how they're saying it. Notice what their burdens are, what, they're, what, carry, what they carry, and then also know, uh, you know, know the scripture so you can identify and know, you know what, mm-hmm. what are the signs of a babe in Christ? What are the signs of somebody who's a, a child in the Lord and somebody who's a young adult? or somebody who's going to be a, a parent. And then mm-hmm. also being able to identify those that are uh, spiritually dead still. And so, uh, yeah, that'd be a, a good discussion. I look forward to that in the near future. But I like the fact that you brought up this idea of unity because if, uh, you know, uh, Scripture tells us that we're to uh, endeavor to keep the unity in the body of Christ. If we just were to see people matured in Christ, and they were living the, who they were in Christ, and they were living Christ-like in their life, as every believer in the body would do that, we would have such a unity in the body of Christ that it, we, it would be wonderful to experience. Because I don't mm-hmm. know that as a, there's a church in existence, uh, and if there is one, I'd, man, I'd love to meet the pastor and, and meet the people, because uh, you know, I'd like to learn some things because Man, the scripture very clearly tells us if if I as a believer and you as a believer are in Christ and we literally are letting him guide us and, and direct us as our Lord and our master, and he is the one perfecting us, where is he going to take us? He's going to take us to himself. And if we're both headed in the same direction with the same behavior and the same direct, uh, master and all of that, then what kind of unity are we going to have? We're going to have complete unity. And that's why he says to us as pastors and ministers and believers in the body of Christ that we're to what? Endeavor to keep the unity that is there. And and we do that by teaching. And that's a, yeah, and that's a topic we could spend, we could spend another 40 minutes talking about the unity in Christ and how that's accomplished through discipleship. And we'll do that at some point um, because that is important. It's an important topic. And again, it all comes down to everybody understanding their place and their function. And it's not me putting them in their place. Amen. It's them discovering their place within the church um, because they are, are growing closer to Christ. Um, and, and again, that all starts again with, with second Timothy chapter two, two, that, Timothy's instructing faithful men and those faithful men are instructing other people and those people who are growing up in the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ are conforming into the image of Christ and Christ yes. was what? He was humble. He was loving. He was willing to, uh, even though he was God, was willing to abase himself mm-hmm. because it was the Father's will. And uh, we, we all can fit into a spot. You know, we act, we, we talk about sometimes how we no, nobody in the church should be ashamed to be the person who's cleaning the toilet. Right. <laughs> um, I've heard, I've heard many people say that you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be ashamed to be the guy who's cleaning the toilet. Um, but how many of us are actually willing to do that is the question. Um, and, and Christ would have been willing to do that. Certainly. Uh, he washed his disciples feet. Uh, and he was willing to teach them and instruct them and be humble at the same time. And, uh, and if we can get past that, superficial humility and get actual humility, then uh, we'll be able to disciple people much more effectively because they'll know that we're genuine and that we actually care about them and that we want to spend time with them because we want to see them grow. We want to see them develop and become conformed to the image of Christ. It's not about them becoming a little Simeon Brazel. Mm -hmm. It's about them becoming a little Christ um, and becoming an actual Christian. Well, Christ if we could sum up Christ's life here on earth, we could sum it up by saying that he was obedient to the Father in everything. 
And right. if we're supposed to be in him and we're supposed to be maturing into him, then what that looks like in a very practical sense is that we will be obeying the Father in more areas of our life today than we are were yesterday. And then next right. week, I'll be more obedient to the Father. And the goal ultimately is what? To hear the same testimony that was twice said of Jesus, once at his baptism and once at the Mount of Transfiguration, where God the Father audibly says, hey, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Right. That well done and, and good, so good why and was he servant, well pleased? Right? Yeah, why was he well pleased? He was well pleased because his, his Son did and said and behaved exactly according to the will of the Father. All right. Well, um, I think we've we've gone a little longer than we expected to, or maybe than we wanted to. But it was good. It was good. We we kind of got to hit multiple things. Um, as a wrap, we can we can basically just bring us back to that definition. What is discipleship? Is it a Sunday school class? Is it a uh, curriculum? Is it a process by which we take some a, a new believer and process them into the church? Um, I think we can clearly say from Scripture, no, that that's not the case. Church is important, but it's only part of that discipleship process. Discipleship is ministering with the goal that every person that's unsaved people as well their their goal their their journey to becoming Christ-like is getting saved first right Amen. so ministering with the goal that every person matures to Christ-likeness and uh, you know I'm, I'm looking forward to the ongoing discussion that we're going to have on various different topics here but it all boils back down to this this one thing, you know, if we're going to talk about discipleship for, for the next how, however many weeks we talk about it, um, it all has to boil back down to this, that every person, every person matures to Christ likeness. And that's a process and that takes time. But that's good. So we're, we're going to uh, continue next week. I hope that you'll join us on uh, next week's episode. Thank you again for listening. And uh, Pastor, I'm looking forward to talking to you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order 4. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com or on Twitter at generalorder4. Join us next week as we begin a mini-series about having a lifestyle of discipleship.